Welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and today we've got a wonderful opportunity to make good on something that happened that was so unfortunate. Uh, I think, what was it, 2018? I believe it was, the summer. Yeah, we, we got together, Cantrell and I, before the Scattered Abroad Network, and we filmed every episode that you're hearing this season together. The two of us, two mics, filmed it in how, how many days did it take us to film 23 episodes? I think it took us maybe a day and a half. Okay. It wasn't long at all. Yeah, we, we took less time than we thought we would, and we filmed all of them, and then when I sent them off to the editor, something happened with the files, and they became corrupted, and uh, boy, it broke our hearts, yeah, that but works. that happening did kind of help the Scatter the Broad Network to form, That's right. and so it may have been providential, but I have Josh Cantrell with me today. Now, you're going to hear me call him Cantrell or Brandon. That's because, and I've got to tell on him, years ago, when I first met this man, he told me his name was Brandon. And so, in 2013, he's attending the Memphis School of Preaching, and I walk in and I say, hey, Brandon, what's going on? And everybody says, who's Brandon? That's Josh. And I said, well, he's Brandon to me, and I think I'm the only person that calls you Brandon, right? I think to this day, yeah, you're the only one. And he's one of the only people that I let call me Mike. That's it. No, you know, most people don't get the right to call me Mike, but he lets me call him Brandon, so I let him call me Mike. But I'll probably call him Cantrell most of the episodes. So, true to form, Cantrell, we want to remember to to tell everybody to look at all of our information on social media, uh, on the on the show notes, I should say, our email, social media, all of the po- podcast content that we have on the Scattered Abroad Network. We've got brand new shows that are on the network now. Some exciting things that are in the works. And it's just an opportunity for us to grow in Christ and be able to make it to heaven together. Today we're talking about standing together. Now, Cantrell, we know the world right now, and it's not just America, but the world right now has a division problem. And if we stop and think about division for what it really and truly is, it's just anything that would divide us. And we find a problem of not being in it together. And so I want to ask you first, why do we need to be in it together? I think one of the key things to focus our attention on, of course, with the Word of God, is the fact that so often as members of the church, we get so caught up in what's going on around us. And I understand that, but we also neglect um, what is going right. And that is we're Christians and we have such a opportunity to exert influence on so many people around us and very often because uh, you and I talk about it all the time you know very often as, as the church we get caught up in a lot of issues that again I get it you know they're in front of us but at the end of the day it's about Christ and it's about saving souls and yeah. I think if we spent more time working together being together then that will allow our influence to go greater to yeah. those who aren't Christians. Well, and I know one of the the biggest hot button issues in America would be black versus white, right. and I really hate that that's the word the words that we use black versus white or white versus black. It shouldn't be. Brother Glenn Hitchcock was at the Spiritual Sword Lectureship uh, at the time that we're recording this. It was this week, and he did a lesson on black churches and white churches. You know what what's the scriptural way to do this? And at the end, he said something that I thought was very profound and needed to be stated. God has already put these churches to death if they're divided. He's already said that you cannot hope to succeed. And that idea of, he said, you know, we're looking at an autopsy right now of what God has said is a dead way to be the church. And he was imploring people 
to stop being a black church or a white church, to, to come together. Now, I know that the number one question that comes with us, well, who's going to be our preacher? Don't don't the congregations have two? Yeah. Couldn't they have a, a co-preacher set up where each one of them preaches a lesson together or teaches classes and whatever, and they share the responsibility? Well, why, why does it have to be that way? Why can't we just do what we've always done? Because there's not going to be a black heaven. There's not going to be a white heaven. It's just heaven, and it's for God's people. Yeah that are going to be there. But he made that point, and I loved it because at, at Somerville, where I was in local work for five years, we are one of the congregations that was blessed to be able to say that we were able to facilitate a, right. uh, to the best of my ability, a merge would be the best word that I can think of, where a, a congregation in the community had their building burned down. And these dear black brethren came over, started worshiping with us, and at the first time that they were doing it, there was some hesitation. There wasn't some, you know, there was some difficulties. But they said that they wanted to place membership, and when we asked them why, they had one simple sentence. We are loved here. And I took that as one of the greatest accomplishments that the Somerville Church of Christ has ever been able to be a part of because that is that is exactly what God wants. And I, I pointed out to people at times when they asked me about it, you know, Paul didn't write to the black church at Ephesus. <laughs> he didn't write to the white church at Ephesus. He just said to the church at Ephesus. These brethren were in it together, and the funny thing about division, wanting to be in it together, Jesus was not white. You know, Jesus wasn't this, I mean, he didn't look like me, you know. He was a dark-skinned man, he was probably tall, very very stocky as a carpenter was considered, um, didn't have the probably long flowing hair that we're used to, and all these kinds of things. Jesus did not look like our world has painted him to look. And when we see Jesus as a white man, when we see Jesus as anything other than what he really was, it just kind of breeds this culture of division. And so we need to be in it together because Jesus was in it for all of us. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I guess kind of growing up in what we would deem as a as a black congregation and growing up, going off to preaching school, coming back home, kind of asking the questions I would never ask as a kid. A lot of it has to do with pride. Yeah. And I asked, uh, I don't want to, you know, say their name specifically, but I asked them, you know, how about we sell our building? We go merge with you know, another congregation. They're like, no, you know, we, you know, it's a black people. It took us, you know, 10 years to pay off, you know, X amount of millions of dollars. And it's a lot of pride in this. And we should be proud of our heritage. And it was all we. It was never yeah. Christ. It was always, well, you know, we should continue to build up what we have. And at the end of the day, that's not saving souls. That's right. Not, and I get it, you know, from their perspective in the 50s and the 60s, it was the black church. It was the white church. I've, I've heard the expression of a lot of black people going to predominantly white congregations and the members there say, hey, how about you go down there? Maybe you're more comfortable with your own people. I get that. But it's 2022. We're in a new era. Mm-hmm. And I think I think sometimes and I'm making trouble saying this, but I think sometimes with a lot of older black Christians were stuck in the past and we're not going to the future. And I think Christ doesn't want us to focus so much on the color, but on preaching souls, whether that be black or white. And we don't want to minimize what's happened. <clears throat> Excuse right, me. Right, good point. You know, we, we don't want to forget what happened in the past. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But I do think you're right in one sense of we need to be careful that we realize we're not still in the past. You know, I, I um, am amazed, you know, by the ability that we have in our culture of, of our society to have so many individuals of different colors and nationalities 
be famous, right. make millions of dollars and do all of these things. And it's it's because the country, despite what many people think, is not wholesale racist. NFL, there are racist NBA, people in it. Right. But we, I mean, the NFL, yes, Tom Brady is a big name. But you know who everybody talks about being the best quarterback right now? It's Patrick Mahomes. Right. Everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Christian McCaffrey's a great running back, but you know who everybody thinks is the best running back in football? Derrick Henry. So we can we can make analogies like this all day long. And I think what we don't realize when we do something like that is we are making the racial divide go further and go longer. And I pointed out in a sermon that I did in the book of Genesis even, in Genesis chapter 33 or 34, you know, Joseph is with his brothers, and he runs into another room, and he begins to weep. And then the Bible says that they set him up a table in his room where he was by himself. The Egyptians set up a table for them in another room, and then Joseph's brothers are in another room. We have three separate rooms with three separate tables of people eating, and we're told in that chapter the only reason they did that was it was an abomination for them to eat with Hebrews. Now, Joseph's brothers didn't know that he was a Hebrew, but the Egyptians did, and they declined to eat with him. Even though Joseph was like second in command, they still would not eat with him. So we're kidding ourselves if we think racism is just an American problem. And so standing together is so important. But we have to ask that question, what makes standing together so difficult? I think it goes back to a word we just alluded to. We read it all throughout the Proverbs, and I think pride. Mm. Of course, Solomon lets us know pride goes before fall, pride yep. goes before destruction. And and we get it. I get it. You know, we're not oblivious to what happened. But at the same time, we're in a new day and the gospel is still the same, just as powerful today as it was back then. So who am I here? Am I 27 years old? Why am I going to put so much emphasis yeah. on what happened versus what we could do right because you and i we're black and we're white we're best friends yeah we hang out and the thing is from the world's perspective they may say well surely they have some type of um um, religious or some political that's where you know political difference or whatever but again we're not preaching our political right we're preaching christ right and we've had so many conversations where I call you and I say, okay, what about this? Or you call me and you say, what do you think about this? And we talk through it. And sometimes we do disagree on things. But we disagree not in the sense of, you know, well, it's because you're white and I'm black. It's because I'm white and you're black. It's it's never that. It's, It's, well, I don't really know that I see it that way. But a lot of times we've even pointed out, you know, there are some things I've I've talked to you and you've said, you know what, that's right. And unfortunately, it's going to be a long time before a lot of people realize that that's right. And I think that's the problem of standing together being so difficult is the fact that our memories are not short. And I can't take back what happened. I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't involved in it. And I'm thankful to God that I didn't live in that time. But I can't take it back. All I can do is do what God tells me to do now. And all that anyone can do is look at people today and make the decision of, are they standing together in Christ or are they dividing against Christ? Because I've been accused sometimes, uh, not a lot, maybe one or two times, of not being black enough mm. in the sense of, you know, getting on Facebook, you know, letting my frustrations out about, you know, different things. I think now, you know, by this episode, George Floyd, that happened, you know, some two 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 years ago now, yeah. I was accused of, well, Kentra, why aren't you speaking out of enough, you know? Are yeah. you black enough? And my thing is, Christianity is not a subtitle to my blackness. Right. I'm a Christian first, and I'm a black person way down the road somewhere. Right. 
And whether I was black or white, right is right and wrong is wrong. Right. And at the end of the day, the first thing I am is a Christian. And that's what I'm going to be every day of my life mm-hmm. is a Christian first. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. But again, if we're thinking with the Christian mindset, that's what it is. Yes. And a lot of times, and, and it's not just a, a George Floyd issue. It's not just anything. We don't remember the verse of being swift to hear, slow to speak. And we react to something that happens before we have all the information. And sometimes, I won't say every time, but there are many times where our reaction, wholesale, all of the country, our reaction to something is incorrect. Yeah, because you've told me a couple times, well, let's just wait until it all comes out, Cantrell. And I'll be like, no, I think that's what it is. And and then come to find out, it all comes out. Man, it's, it's not what we think. And then other times it's... You know, I can f- believe so much that something is the case, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, actually what came out was, oh, man, that's that's awful. That's horrible. I watched a movie the other night where this guy is helping this individual try to, you know, break free from a, a captive and finds out that the son has been killed. And he believes that, the you know, the man that kidnapped her killed the son. Then he finds out halfway through the movie that she killed the son because she was mentally unstable. Oh, wow. And you talk about a twist, yeah. you know, in that movie. Dang. And all of a sudden, you're you're looking at this from a perspective of, wow, you thought it was one way, and then when the evidence came out, it was another. And we need to remember that, you know, truth has no need to fear an investigation. We never should be worried about investigative, you know, process. But we need to make sure that when we do speak out on something, that we're not going to further the divide. I I pointed out in the Spiritual Sword Lectureship that I, I spoke at on peacemaking that Jesus grabbed a whip on one occasion. But so often people try to make the exception the standard. And they say, well, because Jesus grabbed a whip, I'm justified to do this. That was only one time, though. You know, Jesus was in direct opposition with the Pharisees and the Sadducees on a regular basis. And yet he didn't just say, let me get my whip out here and go at you guys. Because it wasn't necessary. And I think there's that idea of using the right tact that will help. Because I think frustration can be showcased in a proper and improper way. Ephesians four twenty six. Be angry and sin. That's right. My son is a um, a four year old toddler. By the time this episode airs, if you make him mad enough, boy, he is going to get red in the face. He's going to be screaming at you. He's going to be trying to hit you. And then we have to say, whoa, 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 now hold on. You need to voice why you're upset without hitting me, mm. without coming at me, trying to hurt me, just because you're mad. And he calms down and he goes, I can't. And we say, well, you're going to have to. <laughs> and I think that's our problem. Like you said, we, we become angry, but we forget the next part of that verse, sin not. Can we really be united, Cantrell? Is it, is it possible? I, I know there's so much. You know, you would listen in the political world, and you would hear so many different parties of saying, basically, there's no hope to be united. It's always going to be black versus white. It's always going to be this problem. Can we truly be united? Not only... Not only can we, but ultimately it's a command from God. When mm-hmm. I think about a chapter like Romans chapter 8, of course, uh, in that context, chapter 8, verse 1, no condemnation. But I find three things in that chapter. I, I see I have God the Father working with me. I have um, God the Holy Spirit, and I have God the Son. And each of them are working in harmony with me and with my life. And so if the second person of the Godhead can humble himself, Philippians 2, verse 5, and work together with the Holy Spirit and with the Father, who am I, a mortal man, not, you know, going to work with the brethren or not work with my brother in Christ? And ultimately, again, it comes down to Galatians 1 verse 10. 
are we trying to persuade men or are we trying to persuade God? Right. And, and, and I think very often we try to do so much to be pleasing to other Christians. We forget that we first and foremost have to be pleasing to God. Yeah. And that's so vital. It's so important um, to, to make it about Christ. Right. You know, if, if it's always going to be about Christ, we could never hope to be divided. That's right. You're safe. I said in, in my lesson on spiritual sword, if the world would follow Christ and his teachings, we would have peace. Mm. And that's that's the one thing that we're all missing for whatever reason, whether we're in the, you know, in the right or in the wrong, we're unwilling at times to follow Christ. And I I hold, wholeheartedly believe you can be wrong. You can be wrong and not know it, but you can also be right and show it in a wrong way. That's right. Amen. That's right. Well, Cantrell, just real quick, plug your information. Uh, I know you're at the South Florida Avenue Church of Christ now. Uh, what do, What is it that you do for the network? I am one of the hosts for the Diligent Podcast. My podcast comes out every Saturday. Um, I'm excited to be a part of the network. Always like to give a shout out to Michael and Caleb for just uh, being a good friend, welcoming them into the network, and uh, I'm excited for all the things they'll do, we'll do together to glorify our God. Well, thank you so much, Cantrell, for being on this week. Cantrell's here for the next five weeks after today, and uh, for me, for me and you, it's the next you know day that yeah, we're going to be right. filming these, knocking these out. For for you all, it's the next five six weeks. But Cantrell, thank you so much for being on the episode today, and remember to please God now, so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.